very good Tuesday morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. What a yucky night it's been. Didn't see the wind coming, I have to say. Today on the programme, we are joined shortly by Luke Ming Flanagan on today's programme also. We'll be looking at serious concerns over the Gulf Stream. We're looking at eating disorders. We're looking at Galway traffic and some questions that have not been answered. Galway Gather, you're seeking your assistance uh, today. Pat Smith joins us. He has that wonderful book indeed. Uh, that we've challenged Ollie to read overnight. Did he or did he not? We'll find out shortly. Evergreen joins us again today. We've got Music Matters, a lovely young girl, lady, uh, from County Mayo joins us. She's studying in Dublin. All of that and more, plus your comments between now and 12 midday. A very good morning to you. Now, if you do want to get in contact with us uh, today, we would love to hear from you. You can do so on 86 if you want to get in contact with us. And uh, that's the number. You can just uh, WhatsApp us to that. It's free of charge every step of the way. So 86 if you do want to get in contact uh, with us. We would like uh, to hear from you today. Now, let me go to Luke Ming Flanagan, who joins me on the line today. Uh, MEP Flanagan, good morning to you. Good morning to you, uh, Keith. How are you doing? Good, good, good. What's the weather like where you are today? Well, it was teeming down with rain up until about an hour ago, but the sun is shining now. So it's oh, kind yeah. of a bit like uh, back in Castlery, except for I'm in Brussels. Oh, I didn't. I, I, it was like Irish weather, so it was. Listen, um, I'm just in, in its current. You, you sent this statement in its current form. I cannot support the proposed EU nature restoration regulation. What exactly do you mean by that? And what is and then EU nature restoration regulation that you're again. Well, um, it's not so much nature restoration that I'm against. It's the way that they're going about it. Um, it's undeniable that we have a biodiversity crisis. It's undeniable that climate change is real. But it's also undeniable that unless we have a just transition, people can't afford to change and they're making it impossible for people, whether that be moving from solid fuel to uh, uh, solar panels or moving towards a passive house. Uh, the only people who can afford to do it are the very, very rich. And uh, those people who are having the biggest problems, let's say, heating their house, etc., they're the last people who can actually afford to do anything about it. So what I'm saying is, whether it be in farming or whether it be for in ordinary uh, people's lives, we need a just transition. And now we have this proposed nature restoration law, which, look, which looks at restoring and improving biodiversity all around the country. And um, uh, and uh, we had a discussion about it. There was an initial proposal put put uh, in by the Commission. We had a debate about it, and now we have a text to vote on next week in Strasbourg. But the text that we have to vote on, as far as I'm concerned, seriously disadvantages areas in the west of Ireland versus many other parts of the country, and it doesn't pay for it. And as far as I'm concerned, for this to work, all sectors have to contribute and it doesn't do that. And when it comes to funding, we had a report from the Citizens' Assembly on biodiversity and they recommended that there should be funding and that it should be long-term. And when I looked at this final text that we were to vote on, mm. I decided to go off and establish exactly what it was about. But not only that, what would the government's interpretation of it be and how much money would they put into it? And to that end, uh, I sought a meeting with 
with the Minister for Agriculture. I've contacted him twice. He has not yet responded. In fairness to Malcolm Noonan, uh, the Minister from the Green Party, um, he met with me. We sat down with him. We spoke to him and he explained what it was about. I'm not saying I'm happy with what he said, but at least he sat down and explained it to us. I also drilled down into what funding would be available because you, this is not going to be cheap to do. Okay. And as I've already said, if you want people to transition, it's got to be just. Okay, but can, I, I, put, can I, I put it to you I, though, yes. I mean, uh, Luke Ming Flanagan, if you don't, MEP, I mean, we can talk about, I can sit here and talk to you all flipping day long about biodiversity and about everything that's going on. Do the, do the 700 MEPs in, in Europe understand the pressure that people are under just to put heat into their own homes? Don't forget retrofitting, forget all of that, forget biodiversity, just to survive in this country on a day like today. Um, they obviously don't get it because they wouldn't well, be take pushing. Take their head out of the pushing. sand then. Um, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be pushing what they're pushing if they did. They wouldn't be pushing a situation whereby at the moment, well, last year, I can get a, ba a bag of turf out of my bog for 70 cents, get great heat out of it, whereas what they're trying to get us to do is force us down another road through carbon tax, etc., where ordinary people are now looking at a little bagging of wood for five or six euros in the shop. So they obviously don't get it. But, but, and that's my problem because we've got to do something about about this, but if we go about it in this manner, people can't afford to, and all they're doing is going around making people feel guilty about what they can't afford to do. And for me, the nature restoration law follows that line as well. And you are no more than with retrofitting your house, you're bet back and you're told, oh, but there are loads of grants available and blah, blah, blah. But when you actually look at it, uh, it's very, very hard to afford to do any of these things. You have to put so much more money with it. Likewise with nature restoration, the government made a big announcement in uh, three months ago about 3.15 billion for climate and nature. And in my meeting with Malcolm Noonan, I asked him how much of this would go to the nature restoration law? How much of it would go to ordinary farmers on the ground that would actually have to pay for this and take the consequences of it? Now, his answers were watery. And at this stage, I have established that not one cent of this fund will go towards nature restoration. What? It will go to uh, capital projects. It will go to Bordnamona. It will go to Quilcha, but it won't go to ordinary farmers. But I have a suggestion and a proposal. Given that the Citizens' Assembly recommended more funding. Like some people will say, everyone is against this. They're not. They're against the way it's currently being done. What the Citizens' Assembly said quite clearly was, we need long-term funding for this mm. and we need more money for it. And what? what I am suggesting is that rather than putting in place a temporary fund, which we don't know is it going to be there in a few years' time, what we need to do is expand the common agricultural policy and put in place a third pillar. And the reason why I suggest the common agricultural policy is because, okay, it's not perfect. People have their issues with it. But there's one thing for sure. It has been there for decade after decade after decade. And what I'm asking for is not an increase, really. What I'm asking for is we go back to what we spent in 1991 in real terms. In real terms in 1991, if you include inflation, there was 3.8 billion euros to be spent on the common agricultural policy. This year, 
if we're lucky, it'll be 1.8 billion. Okay. So but basically what we're asking farmers to do is to do twice as much with half of the money. Now, people have asked the question, Sorry, yeah, where but, would we come up with this funding? Well, there's an answer to that. We come up with this funding by putting a levy on companies like Unilever and Coca-Cola who are at the moment telling everyone you've okay. got to vote for this regulation. Okay, there's an awful lot of what you're talking about with due respect to you and I'm not being disrespectful uh, going over people's heads today because there's so many yes. people out there that are just fine. And I'm talking about the ordinary people. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about ordinary people the likes you and me and otherwise. They're finding it so difficult to keep their bills paid. You talk about that five or six or seven euro bag of blocks that you get that's gone in one night. Who can afford that? The fuel allowance that they're getting in this country is not sufficient. Like We have to look after the people that are here that are finding it cold. I had a lady onto me yesterday, Ming, and she goes into bed at night time at six o'clock with an electric blanket because it's the only way she can stay warm at night. In, in 2024, that shouldn't be. And we're talking and talking and talking about Europe and you're talking about biodiversity and we're talking about the EU nature restoration regulation. Well, what about the people on the ground? Yeah, exactly. And unless they're taken care of, none of this will happen. But they're but not. There they're so far away from it. You see, an, this but, is what's wrong. Yeah, but, but there's an awful lot of it as well, whereby it's very, very convenient for the government to blame the European Union. But it's the way that they implement these policies. It would be one thing putting this law in place, but the government are not prepared to fund it. It would be one thing if they put this law in place, whereby the whole country would have to do it. But what they're proposing is that people only have to do it initially up till 2030 down along the western seaboard Galway's like counties like Galway Mayo Donegal and Kerry are going to be most affected by it while at the same time they get less in funding from the common agricultural policy than anyone else so if they want this to work they've got to do it in a just way and the one thing and I'll repeat it that really annoyed me about this was that we had a company like Coca-Cola who last year put over 100 billion plastic bottles out into the environment, lecturing farmers, telling them that they've got to change their ways. 80% of these farmers are not making, they're making very little money, they're living on the poverty line, yet you have a massive company like Coca-Cola that okay. makes tens in billions in profits lecturing okay. them. The solution is you levy these companies, because they're telling us they care about it, levy their profits, put it back into the common agricultural policy and put money back into rural okay. Ireland. And when people talk about, well, would you give more money to CAP? Is that money going to farmers? That money ends up in everyone's pocket. It okay. actually ends up in your advertising accounts in Galway Bay FM or whether that's Shannon side radio or any radio station because that money permeates out into the community, into hairdressers, into mechanics, etc. Okay. So when I say I want extra money, I'm saying we need extra money for rural Ireland for and when I say extra, people. I'm saying all we're looking for is what we got in 1991. Okay. But come Tuesday, I will not be voting for this law. I know there's a crisis, but this will not solve it. All this will do is penalise okay. ordinary people and I would hope that other MEPs would come this way with me on this too because 
we really need to do something about the crisis that we have. Okay. But we're not going to do that by punishing the poorest people in this country. And that's got to change. I mean, some of the comments coming in, where has he been for the last 18 months? Uh, you'd know there was an election coming up. Uh, Ming has miraculously reappeared from retirement home. Uh, that is the EU Parliament. There's a lot of comments coming in today. I have to say negative comments. I'm just giving you flavours in there. And, and I, yeah, I, from, well, where, from where I have been, where I have been, Keith. And if I get re-elected, is I'll be back out in Brussels, working with officials to try and improve what they're doing here, to try and make sure that locals, uh, local opinion is taken into account. And uh, the idea that you'll do that at home, where none of these officials are, is is wrong. What you want is your MEP to be out in Europe working for you, trying to get better laws. And I have tried to do this for the last 18 months on this law, but now that they've come out with the final iteration after trying to work with it, I have made a decision that I cannot support it. And whether there was an election coming up or not, I would not be supporting this because it is not just. Absolutely. Before I let you go, by the way, today, just on a totally different subject altogether, I mean, the whole situation with uh, Russia, and, uh, Russia and Putin and, and the leader of the opposition, indeed, um, again, who spoke out and died mysteriously. I mean, is this something that Europe can have a look at? Because this seems to be just going on and on and on, the whole Russian situation, and nobody seems to be able to stop it. Yeah, I mean, the, the big problem is that uh, while uh, the EU is, pu is pushing back against them and they have sanctions, unfortunately, when it comes to oil, you can sanction Russian oil, but Russia can sell that oil to India, India can sell it to someone else, and we end up buying it anyway. So from the point of view of sanctions, it's very hard to do anything. But I tell you, there's one thing that makes it harder to pull Putin into line with the horrific thing that he's done, and that is the international community not doing what they should be doing on Gaza and then people say how can the US yeah. lecture Vladimir Putin when they're allowing what's happening in Gaza at the moment Which and they're shocking. funding what's happening in Gaza shocking. and what we have now is a situation where international law is totally disrespected because Putin disrespects it Biden disrespects it, the UK disrespects it, and Germany disrespects it. And that's why we are where we are. People being inconsistent on human rights. And now that Putin has done this horrific thing, who were America to lecture them okay. on anything? Because they are doing just as bad today. There's children dying as we speak. Finally, uh, today, somebody said, would you please ask MEP Flanagan what he thinks of the exit payments and what's going on in RTE? Just be careful. Um, it does, um, a lot of well, this. I, I, I have to say, I have to say, um, my dealings with RTE throughout my whole political career, I'd be very biased on this. I have to say, I do not think that they are a very good public service broadcaster. Uh, when it comes to getting out my message, if I was to rely on them, um, I would never get it out. And I see a situation where there's a lot of money put into them for public service, but at the same time, the best public service I see is, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on local radio, is local radio stations. So for me, there should be money taken away from RTE because they're quite obviously wasting it on crazy wages and put it into local radio and fund it even better because you're doing a good job on a, on a pittance at the moment. What could you do if you got some of this licence fee money? And I know one thing you wouldn't do with it. You wouldn't be paying each other four and five hundred thousand euro a year for a start. I'd say that's half the, the wage bill of here, if not a little bit more. 
uh, on an annual yes, basis. So there you go. And that's for 28 people. Uh, Luke Ming Flanagan, thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. And uh, again, we'll just keep an eye on it as well. Keep, keep your texts coming into us, uh, please, today, if you don't mind, and uh, do so uh, to 086 I was coming home yesterday, and I just want to throw it at you. Maybe somebody can just kind of shed some light on it. Very briefly, coming home, coming up Henry Street yesterday, I was coming uh, from the dockside, and came up Henry Street, and just as I was coming up, um, it's a playground there, a young fellow on a bike, 13 years of age, 14 max, with, with an attitude in life, uh, pulled out in front of me. I braked, he braked, and then he starts shouting and roaring at me. Now he followed me, he went into the playground, he came back out again and you rode, and then he followed me up as far as uh, Cook's Corner there, where he continued to berate me. Absolutely language foul, I have to say. But have you ever come across this young fellow on a bike? Because, to be quite honest, he's a danger to himself, and he, there's some issues that need to be dealt with, I would think. He was damn lucky I was going as slow as I was, um, because there was a van, be- an aircon van behind me, and I was going slow, and there was two people standing on the corner, and he just came straight out in front of me. But the language out of him, I nearly needed an interpreter, to be honest. Now, after so many years uh, broadcasting, it's not often that I get caught tongue-tied uh, and don't know how to pronounce a word in question. I'm joined on the line now by um, Senator Malcolm Byrne, who joins me because he has concerns over the impact of the potential collapse of the Atlantic Meridional, I think is what it's called. Uh, it's the... Uh, Again, all to do with uh, the environment. Uh, but he joins me on the line. Senator Byrne, help me. How do I pronounce it? Uh, good morning, Keith. Good morning to your listeners. Um, so we're talking about the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation. Um, but I think a lot of uh, your listeners will probably know that in school we would have learned about the Gulf Stream. Ah, yes. And uh, so... Um, this is essentially the, the flow of currents in the autumn. And yes. the reason that we know in in Ireland why we have a, a relatively mild um, climate compared to if we look at, you know, go across the Atlantic uh, at the same latitude to what they'd be experiencing in Canada is because of the Gulf Stream. So yes. water water will travel from the, the Gulf of Mexico up towards uh, Europe and, uh, and Western Ireland. And then as it flows around by the Arctic, obviously it cools and it flows back down at the, uh, the east coast of, of North America. Now, the, um, the, the official name within the Atlantic system is this thing called the Atlantic Meridian on the overturning circulation, or AMOP for short. But I think most people will just know it as, 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 as the Gulf Coast Stream, Green. how 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 the water flows um, within our oceans and right around the world, in fact. Um, it's critical for our climate uh, how, you know, those waters flow. Uh, the, the water comes from generally the warmer areas. It passes up, depending on where you are in the world, by the Arctic or in the south, by the Antarctic. Uh, and, and those flows around, are yeah. essential to marine life, but also indeed to the climates that we, we all experience. But you're, you're concerned about the west coast of Ireland because we are on the periphery of Europe and closest to it. But you are concerned about from Donegal to Cork. Yeah, well, the this is not something that's likely to happen uh, in our lifetimes. So I suppose, you know... I, I don't want to overly scare anyone. And, uh, no, but we've seen an increase uh, in, in flooding. We've seen an increase in winds. We've seen an increase in, in, in tidal waves coming in and damage being done. But, you know, if we fast forward onto the next two generations, what do you expect will happen? 
Well, well, this is where the concern is. So, so certainly, I think people are aware of the impact of climate change, and we're seeing, you know, an increased number of of uh, unusual weather events. Um, a lot of concerns are being expressed by scientists, and the most recent study by Utrecht University in the Netherlands uh, says that the uh, AMOC, this AMOC or the Gulf Stream is uh, collapsing faster um, than was previously anticipated. So because of the fact that uh, ice sheets are melting in the Arctic and Antarctic, uh, this is impacting on those flows uh, and it's impacting on the salination of some of those flows. And it's known already that since 1950, uh, this is that the, the, the Gulf Stream or the AMOC is now 15% weaker. The worry is that at some stage, they now reckon over the next century uh, that we could actually see a collapse um, of this system and, 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 and these flows. Uh, and the result would mean, and what they reckon is, that the climate of Ireland, uh, if this happens, would be much more akin to that of Iceland uh, at present. So uh, for anyone who's been to Iceland or obviously watched documentaries on it, people will know it's it's a lot colder as a, as a climate, but there are big impacts there on, on every aspect yeah. of life, um, particularly but obviously on agriculture and food production. Now, as I say, it's, it's not to... You know, the, the, the expectation is not that this is going to happen um, in, in our lifetimes, um, but certainly for children and grandchildren, uh, this could be something. If, if we see this before the end of the century, this is something that we could see. And even if there isn't a complete collapse, the continued weakening of this system is going to have, a, 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 you know, quite a big impact, particularly on coastal communities. Okay, but can I ask you, how are they measuring this? I mean, technology is wonderful, so it is currently. Uh, but, but when you say collapsing faster than we know, uh, how can we first monitor that on an annual basis? And is there anything that we can do as human beings yep. to, to reverse it? I mean, we talk about, you know, progressing and reversing. That, that's what we have to look at here. Mm -hmm. So, o ocean circulation is it, it's driven by by density differences. Now, and I, I you know, the, as usual, science on this can be can be quite complex. But this depends on the salinity, salinity, or in other words, how salty um, the water is, and the temperature um, of the water. So, um, the simplest way to explain it is that cold, salt, salty water. Mm -hmm. Uh, is heavier than warm fresh water right? and I think people could under, understand that yeah so when the water gets up um, toward the Arctic Circle and um, then what happens is it becomes cold and salty and it sinks and it flows south and then the water water warms it rises to the surface again and then it keeps um you know mo moving around a little bit like a, a, a conveyor a conveyor belt but the difficulty is obviously, if in the Arctic Circle we're seeing less cold, salty water, um, you know, sinking um, because of the fact that you know the ice sheets are, are beginning to disappear, that obviously has impacts on uh, on this particular flow. Um, look, it, it's part of the you know the broader challenges around uh, around climate change. Um, it, it, it you know I think. The, the the scientific evidence is overwhelming that we are now being impacted by climate change. It's how uh, we all look to to respond to it. Yeah. Um, I think people but, know, you know, the government has in, enacted you know pretty tough climate targets. Uh, how we reach them is is critical, and it is important that we bring everybody with us. Um, you know that we provide supports for those who are looking 
to, uh, to 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 tackle uh, climate change. But this is just obviously. I mean, we're we're all very aware of you know the unusual weather events we experience. Um, but but I, I genuinely think, even though it may not impact on us, we've got to think. Uh, about what could be happening in the oceans and the impact that that could have in a century's time. But can, can I just stick with climate change for just one minute because we had Luke Ming Flanagan on, so we had uh, just before you um, joined us as well and we were talking about this uh, and we were constantly talking about, I mean, people that can't afford to heat their homes, people, a lady that I spoke to yesterday had to go to bed or goes to bed at six o'clock in the evening now with her electric blanket um, because she can't afford to heat the house. So there's a lot of fuel poverty, there's a lot out there. And then we're talking about trying to do our best as a small island on the periphery of Europe. And yet you see what's going on in other parts of the world, in South America and in China and all of that, where they don't seem to be taking it very seriously. And yet we're being forced to take it very seriously here. No, well, I agree. And I think in terms of any trade deal into which the European Union uh, enters, so whether we're talking about Marcus or with South America or anywhere else, Part of the requirements, uh, and this is where the European Union can apply uh, some of the heft, part of the requirements have to be about um, meeting environmental and labour and human rights uh, standards. And, you know, certainly in any trade that we look at doing um, with South America, we should be insisting on, you know, for instance, trying to protect mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the rainforests uh, and so on, because it's critical um to but they have time. they have to take responsibility for their own actions, and like we're talking about bringing South American beef into this country, we have enough beef that we could we could help other countries as well. But I mean, there's so it's there's so much work to be done to bring people on on side on just on side because they're listening to us in their homes in Galway and Wexford and elsewhere today that they will be listening to us, and they're saying that's beyond my brief at this stage. I'm just trying to survive. No, I, and I, I, I totally get that. And I think what's important, uh, and I've always said this, is, is, you know, we can't be engaging in finger-pointing exercises. Uh, you know, I think trying no. to blame people or anything is, is wrong. Um, I, I think, you know, everyone accepts that, that we've all got to do something. Um, you know, Ireland on our own, we, we can't just do it on our own. We've got to do it through the European Union, through the UN. Um, the difficulty is is that a lot of the evidence is is that the, the you know the poorest and the least well off will tend to be those who suffer the most as a result uh, of uh, of climate change. So, um, to give you an example, I mean even in a very direct financial way, and I know from speaking to insurance companies, and you you'd be familiar with this in Galway as well. Um, insurance is based entirely on risk. And, you know, in the past, insurance companies, you know, would, would, would give you a premium based on, you know, a once in a century chance of a particular yeah. climate event happening. But unfortunately, as we've seen, you know, with some of the flooding and some of the weather events in Ireland in, in recent times, these once in a century events are happening far more frequently. And now people aren't able to get insurance uh, for their homes yeah. or for their businesses. Um, and often it's those who are who are least financially well off uh, who are most impacted um, by, yes, by something like yes, this. Yes, so it's, it's important for all of us. And I, I and I totally get it. And this is why, in terms of you know government supports uh, for retrofitting homes, I mean there is a major program going on with local authorities about you know trying to make uh, social housing um, far more energy efficient. Uh, I certainly think you know, and I, I get annoyed when some people they try to blame farmers for climate change. I mean, farmers are our frontline workers in the battle against climate change. They know more than anybody else about what's happening because they can see it, yeah. uh, you know, out in the fields. Well, 
And I mean, if you, you talk to tillage farmers, they'll tell you about the impact of, of, of bad weather. We've got to work with, um, you know, those communities, provide them with the grant support, bring uh, bring people through because, I, you know, I, I know farmers that once once you provide the financial support uh, and and the advice, uh, they'll take it on board Absolutely. and and address address these measures. And look, it's and, and I get sometimes people can feel helpless, saying, you know, you know, it's only me. What what can I do? But I, I think the more awareness of this, um, the I more think there we has act, to be yeah. uh, collectively and and. You know, one of the strengths of the European Union as the biggest trading bloc that's there is we can start uh, to use EU power to say to the rest of the world, look, if you're going to trade with us in Europe, we expect you to follow, you know, environmental standards, but also labour yeah. law, human rights standards. Okay. Uh, and, and, and there is evidence that that's working. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a story during the week too about air to water systems and how much they're costing from an electricity point of view, and it's not cost effective for them. Yesterday morning, we had uh, Minister Dara O'Brien uh, in Studio City opposite me this morning, uh, yesterday morning, and we were talking about all these schemes, uh, retrofitting schemes and derelict home schemes and all of that. Uh, but it's too cumbersome, and he agreed with us in the end, he agreed with us. It's just too cumbersome for some people to wait to have to try and get through it. So I think we have to have a holistic look at it. Before we let you go, by the way, and thanks for joining us uh, today on this, because it's an important conversation we're having. Are you going to go for Europe, by the way, Senator Malcolm Byrne? No, I've I've uh, I've made a decision. I'm I'm not uh, looking to contest the European elections. I, I was nominated, but uh, I've already declared, as, as you might know, Keith, there is a new constituency of, of which right. no experts a new Dáil constituency. So I've, I've, I'm hoping to get the Fianna Fáil nomination to contest the next general election there. Um, but I do think, I, you know, I, I know there's some speculation about running for Europe. All I'll say is I do think it's very important. Uh, the European Union, you know, what we were talking about, and the European Parliament is increasingly important. Uh, we need to send, you know, effective um, MEPs yeah. to Europe, those who engage with the political parties, um, you know, we, we've got to get people who can who can really influence uh, European policy, and, and, and that's why these elections are very important. Well, it's Europe's loss, so it is, Senator Malcolm Byrne. Uh, thanks indeed for joining us uh, today, and Senator Malcolm Byrne, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Your thoughts and comments, please, to the comment lines on 086 3333 Some of the comments coming into us uh, today. Uh, if I could just clear that screen down, then they can come up to you. Uh, Keith, you are very correct indeed. The big countries know nothing about climate. And money is what drives the world, or should I say greed? My friend just back from Texas is boom, boom, boom with oil, and there's no recycling happening at all over there. Luke Ming Flanagan and Michael Fitzmaurice are for the ordinary people. They're a pleasure to listen to and always make great sense. You should have them on more often from there. Another caller said, uh, send him back, Luke Ming, Luke Ming Flanagan. Send him back to Roscommon. He's good for nothing. And he's only, and I can't wear that, and uh, I can't read that, and I can't read that. Uh, Ming has arisen from his slumbers. There must be an election in the offing. He's very much awake this morning, though. Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's programme. I want to go to Amy Hanley because she's calling for Galway participation in a nationwide protest for Eating Disorders Awareness Week as well. And when you say it like that um, and you put it together, participation in a nationwide protest for Eating Disorders Awareness Week, like there's so much just within that statement itself. But Amy joins me on the line. Amy, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you, Keith? Good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I know we spoke last year, I do believe, uh, when you started Mind Everybody campaign seeking reform and, and uh, in eating disorder services. Uh, your daughter was five, um, 
over a year in five different hospitals. I remember talking to you about that inpatient units. No parent wants to go through this, I have to say, Amy. No, exactly. That's why I was calling for reforms because the process of trying to get her treatment, it was so difficult and it shouldn't be that hard. Like they should, there should just be treatment plans in place for people with eating disorders, but there isn't any kind of plan. So she was just kind of, you know, bounced back and forth between inpatient and outpatient and home and hospitals and it just felt very unorganized and and how is she now she's good at the moment now she's been discharged from hospital since december and she's home so like it is still going to be a long recovery process it takes time and she still has good and bad days um but she is she she has made significant improvements from where she was before so she's doing well so when you're calling for Golder participation in the nationwide protest for eating disorders awareness week I mean, as I said, that's a very strong statement. First off, um, Galway, then participation, then nationwide, then protest, and then Eating Disorders Awareness Week. I mean, there's so many messages there. Right, exactly. We shouldn't have to do this, but we do. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's the biggest problem is that it's a nationwide problem. Um, so before I held a protest last year just in Dublin, um, but then like when I was emailing TDs and stuff, I was emailing all of the TDs and um, senators in the country just saying, look, this problem really needs fixed. It's a huge problem. It's not just Dublin. And some of them would get back to me and be like, oh, like, are you in our constituency? And I'd be like, well, no, but it's not like a Dublin problem. <laughs> so that's kind of why I wanted to do a nationwide one this time to bring attention to the fact that this is not a Dublin problem. It's a countrywide problem. And it is a significant problem because um, you know eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental health issue and it's being mm-hmm. treated kind of largely as a physical ailment but it's a mental health issue so it's it really needs to be fixed but when you when you say it's not a Dublin problem it's a nationwide problem it's an every village problem in the country so it is there isn't one village that wouldn't have some family going through what you and I are talking about this morning Right. Yeah. It's, it's literally everywhere. <laughs> like that's kind of um, why I decided to do the f- first protest as well, because when we were having such difficulty trying to get her into an inpatient unit, I was doing a bit of Googling and I saw other families have, had gone to the media as well with the exact same problems that inpatient units wouldn't take them and that they were fighting for help. And I thought, okay, it's not just us. This is an actual like huge problem. So the more I kind of looked into it, I'm like, yeah, this is this affects everybody it's a big problem but when when we say when you say mental health problems or a mental health issue is it a it's an illness really an eating disorder isn't it yeah so basically it's a mental illness that it has physical side effects if that makes sense um so i mean really it's largely a disorder where somebody it's, it's it's more about kind of how they feel about themselves but, but and I, the I food is kind of the target of it. So like it's, it's not... It's the language that we use, I suppose, really. Um, is it an illness or a mental health illness? Mental health illness. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a mental health issue. But, yeah. but what, with a mental health illness, then at least there's a roadmap that you've got psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists you know, that's what needs to be brought together 
to make this easier for the families and support the families. Exactly. That's one of the main issues is there isn't this kind of connection and services. So like when my daughter was in the children's hospital for, you know, treating the physical issues, um, she wasn't offered mental health supports because she was in just a general children's hospital. They're not, you know, a mental health facility. So she wasn't offered anything like that. And then at one stage, she became completely reliant on the NG tube for feeding. And she, we were trying to get her back into an inpatient unit so she could get the mental health support that she needed. But none of them would take her because she was reliant on the NG tube. And so if they took her, there's the risk of her, you know, being transferred back to an acute hospital so they just weren't accepting her as a patient um, but then that meant she was stuck in an acute hospital without mental health support so like they were expecting her to eat orally to be able to get into these units but she was so mentally unwell that she couldn't eat orally so it was like this complete catch-22 that she wasn't getting the mental health support to like break this reliance on the ng tube but then they wanted her to break the reliance herself to be able to to get the mental health support, like it just, it, it boggles my mind, to be honest. From listening to you, and I'm listening intently to you, sounds to me like as if she was on, I forget what we used to call them, a merry-go-round, just going round and round and round. Exactly, and, yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. And the, and the faster that it spirals, the faster that it spirals, it was doing no different, it, it, it wasn't make it, having any impact at all. Sounds to me like an absolute no. nightmare. So yeah. come back come back then to the protest then. When is it going to take place? How can people in Galway get involved, Amy Handley? And uh, how can they support you? Um, so right now we have Cork, Limerick and Dublin and the plan is to have them all at the same time. So they're taking place on the 2nd of March at 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I would love to get Galway involved as well, again, to kind of represent the West, that this is a problem everywhere in the country. So I would and love is, to have the West involved. Is there, is, there a group in, um, is there a group in Galway? Do we know that um, supports people or, or is part of this whole eating disorders movement? It's just part of the Mind Everybody campaign. Um, mm -hmm. So we have different people kind of around the country. So like I have somebody in Cork helping with the Cork protest and someone in Limerick helping with that protest. So we don't have anyone in Galway at the moment um, to help with that protest. So we have like a WhatsApp group where we're working together to come up with slogans for the campaign to figure out the best um, sites to have the protest um, and that kind of thing. Like there's not much involved in fairness. Like the main thing is kind of advertising so people are aware that the protest is happening and then making the actual sign, uh, actual um, banners and stuff. So if anybody wants to get involved, I would love to see the West represented. All right. You, I mean, you have such knowledge of this, so you have. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish I didn't. It you comes took, from you, experience. You, you um, took the words right yeah, out of my mouth, so you did. You just took those words out of my mouth. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the rain. I'm kind of dazed listening to you, thinking of what families have to go through and I'm looking at the rain kind of just falling down outside and you say to yourself, you're one of thousands of families who on a daily basis support your daughter or your son or your mother or your father who are in this uh, position. But collectively you need to come together. We all need to come together on this one. Uh, so exactly. yeah, have you a website that they, sh they can go to? I do, yeah. It's called mindeverybody.com. And so, like, it's a dual purpose kind of website. Like, it has information about the protests and stuff on okay. there. So, its goal is to kind of put political pressure on the government to make the changes that we want so, um, so that people are treated 
properly and then also to raise awareness about what eating disorders are because many people don't understand it's a mental illness and that they're difficult to treat but it is possible it's very possible to treat it so and very successful as well um amy hanley if they want to get further detail if you call our reception here to fiona we have uh, amy's uh, mobile number we can put you in contact with amy if you're interested in getting this done so just call us here on 091-77-077 and do so straight away. Amy, keep in contact with us and thank you indeed for taking our call t- today. And again, further details can be had if you want to go to Mind Everybody, just M-I-N-D-E-V-E-R-Y-B-O-D-Y.com and uh, get further details there from there. My heart goes out to people like that and just parents, left, right and centre and I was talking to a parent yesterday that I bumped into. I was uh, caring for a child at home and they're finding it very, very difficult and the child has special needs and it's just very, very difficult and they feel as if they're on their own. So to all of you today, let's just send you a positive thought and just keep strong.